Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be taking a deep dive into a London-listed company, Plant Healthcare. And to do that, we're very kindly joined by the CEO, Jeff Tweedy. Jeff, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for the invitation. Good to be here. Regular listeners to the podcast will be aware that Jeff and the other Jeff at Plant Healthcare actually presented at the UK Investor Magazine virtual conference some weeks ago. That's on the video section of the UK Investor Magazine website if you want to find out some more details. But we're going to be going over some of the key points uh, from that presentation that were brought up. Uh, we discussed in some details at that point their most recent results. But today we're really going to be focusing on the business model and the problem that plant healthcare are setting out to fix. They've had a number of yearly reports which is showing um, some good growth in revenues. We're going to be talking about future revenue targets and how they're going to be getting there. But before we get into all of that, Jeff, would you be able to give us a brief introduction to Plant Healthcare and what your main operations are, please? Yeah, uh, thanks for the invite. Uh, Plant Healthcare is a company in the biological space, and we really have uh, biological technology uh, in in the food security sector. So sustainability, products that are sustainable, and, and we develop technology for more uh, sustainable type applications uh, in, in the traditional crop protection market. We really have two distinct technologies that we sell in there today. First is Harpen. Harpen is a protein uh, that was a protein technology that was developed uh, about 15 years ago. Um, very environmentally friendly, um, and it makes the plant healthier when applied to the plant. It can be applied either foliar or as a seed treatment. Helps the plants uh, resist disease and stress, and the result of that is better quality crops and higher yields for growers. As an example, in sugarcane, we see uh, yield increases that uh, deliver around a 14x return on investment for a grower. And in corn, we've seen yields, average yield increase of greater than 5%. And our Harpen business has been growing very nicely the last few years. Since 2019, uh, we've grown 31% on a compounded annual growth basis. Um, the new technology that we have is called Pretech. Uh, we, we call it vaccines for plants. They're derived from natural proteins. Again, very environmentally friendly. Um, there's no residues on the crops and they break down rapidly. They stimulate the growth in the plant, uh, so it can, uh, withstand different types of abiotic stress. So our first product that was launched, uh, was a a product in Brazil applied as a seed treatment called Saori. Um, and that is used for disease control, um, Asian soy rust control in Brazil, which is a very significant, uh, disease. Uh, for the soybean market in Brazil. Thank you. So we're going to be talking about some of those products in a little bit more detail later on in the podcast. But 
I think it'd be good to add some context now, Jeff, and and look, if we may, at where you're operating on a global basis. So, so what are your key geographies, and you know, maybe, you know, what are the geographies that you're not in at the moment that you'd like to be involved in in the future? Okay. So today we operate in the U.S. Um, in corn, soybeans, cotton. Uh, sugarcane, and then a lot of the specialty crops like fruits and vegetables, um, grapes, almonds, a number of the vegetable crops in the U.S. Uh, next would be our operations in Mexico. Those those operations are mainly focused in the Baja and Sinaloa regions. Again, a lot of the uh, specialty crop vegetables that are grown in Mexico. We've recently entered into the avocado, agave, and sugarcane markets in Mexico. So those will be growth markets for us uh, coming up. Uh, then as we turn to South America, Brazil would be the major focus where we sell harpin today and sugarcane, as well as uh, the row crops and also soy on soybeans. Uh, we recently launched into Argentina uh, in South America, and we look to enter into other countries like Uruguay, Chile, uh, Paraguay, Bolivia. Then turning to Europe, our operations today are mainly focused in Spain, Portugal, the UK, the Netherlands, Turkey, Morocco. Um, and then the growth opportunities for us in, in uh, Europe would be we just received registration for Harpen in France. So that will open up the entire uh, European market now. Our plans are to launch Harpen into those markets uh, over the coming years as we get registrations. We recently announced in January an agreement with Novozymes to enter the uh, sugarcane market in India. Uh, so once registration is, is achieved there, we'll enter that market uh, as well. Um, so we're excited about the growth opportunities. We had a fantastic 2022 with 40% growth. And uh, 2023 is off to a great start. And, and we see a lot of opportunities for our technologies, not only Harpin, but also Pre-Tech. Thank you. So you've outlined there what is a truly global business. But one, one would think listening to that, that there's a significant level of, of logistics to that, get, getting these products out to those markets. So would you be able to provide, please, a little bit more information on the distribution um, strategy, Jeff, and, and how you're delivering your products into these different markets? Yeah, it's a good question. Our, our distribution strategy is quite a bit different than others in this space. Um, we work with large distributors where they're available. Uh, so like the U.S. market, Brazil market, it's highly concentrated. So there are very large distributors and we have unique relationships with them. And what that means is they have exclusive to certain rights, uh, certain uses, certain crops, certain brands uh, with those distributors. Um, and we like that model for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, the distributors who have products or they have their own branded products are very excited to bring in new technology. They're looking for these type of biological products that really fit that sustainability message. Um, and they invest their own money. So it, it keeps our operation expenses lower, um, but incentivizes these companies to really, uh, you know, use their resources to drive sales, but also invest in new opportunities, whether it be on certain crops or as we bring new technology in. 
Um, and we do that in the U.S. We do that in, in uh, South America. And we've also done it in, the, in Europe. Uh, we work with Agri in, uh, in, in the, the U.K. market. Uh, and as we expand in other countries in Europe, uh, we, will, we will leverage our relationship with Agri there as well. We like the model. Um, distributors like the model. Uh, it's been uh, very good for our growth. Uh, they've invested in the products. Uh, it's profitable for them. It's profitable for us. Um, and we think it's the right strategy for a small company like ours. Um, and we have great relationships with these distributors. Thanks. Just a question on that, Jeff. I mean, what, what does it look like, look like for your margins, your operating margins, as you expand on this basis? D- does your increased footprint across the world does that boost your margins or is it pretty steady margins across all of the businesses you expand yeah it's a good question i think i think it will be it will be steady as we as we spread across the different uh regions uh so we don't expect significant changes and probably slight growth depending on the markets seed treatment markets tend to have higher margins uh, than some of the other markets I think one of the things that really separates us from our competitors is we have certain margin targets that we have for any product that's launched. So if a pro- if we can't make it and make it where there's there's uh, very good margins for plant healthcare and also for our distribution partners, we don't bring it to market. And and that's different from some of our competitors that are out there today. You know, they enter a market, they're hoping that they can get the margin increase or the uplift through economies of scale. Uh, we we want to we want to capture that and, and bring that cash back into the business uh, right from the start. I think it's a it's a poor model uh, to do it uh, with very low margins to begin with and hope that they come. And uh, so that really separates us from our competitors and it allows our, our distribution partners to make money uh, as well as plan health. Thank you. So we're going to speak a little bit more now, Jeff, we may, about some of the, the the products. We did mention them at the beginning and you provided uh, a comprehensive overview, but there's there's some here that we'd like to discuss in, in more detail. I'm going to start with pre-tech. So maybe a little bit of history about pre-tech, uh, the platform, how does it work? And I mean, where it sits within the market would be be really good. And you know, have an understanding from preparing to this, you know, it could be known as a vaccine for plants. So you, if it's more information about how that actually works and, and what the actual outcome is for, for crop yields, it'll be good to, to hear some more about. Yeah, Pretech is a, a new platform that Plant Healthcare has been working on for uh, about eight years. We've invested more than $25 million in bringing this technology to market. And, and think about it as vaccines for plants. And, and I really like the visual. Most crop protection products work from the outside in. So you spray them over the plant and then it kills a pest. Ours works from the inside out. We actually apply our product. It, it triggers a, repl- a response in the plant that's natural. And that response is what allows the plant uh, to protect itself from whatever stress is available. So as an example, uh, Soori was our first product launched in Brazil. Uh, first significant sales were in 2022. It's applied as a seed treatment uh, and then soybeans are planted. And once it's on the seed, the, the, the seed germinates 
then that turns on the mechanisms within the plant that protect it from disease. So as soybean, the, the soybean rust is a very significant disease in Brazil. As it tends to enter in uh, later in the season, you've already protected the plant from that uh, potential disease that's there. The next, the next product in the pipeline will be uh, PHC 68949. This is a, uh, a nematode product. It can be applied either as a foliar or as a seed treatment. Uh, it will be our, our, it will be our best product. It'll be our largest product once we achieve registrations. Um, the data that we've looked at as a seed treatment, also foliar in specialty crops has been outstanding. Uh, we've seen very good results uh, for nematode control um, it compared, even compared to traditional chemicals that are out there today, which you, which for biologicals, that would be, uh, that, that's a pretty big hurdle to achieve. So we're excited about that. We have registrations pending in Brazil. We have registration, we have a registration submission that will go in in the U.S. here shortly. Um, and those will be our two largest markets that we'll enter in. Uh, we want to enter into Mexico as well. There will be a very good fit there. And, and it will be the next generation and, and will be our largest product, as I mentioned earlier. And, and nematode market has been uh, a market that's growing rapidly. I think it causes $157 billion worth of crop losses a year. And there's a lot of technology lost. So you think in, in California, methyl bromide was a product that was used years ago. It's off the market. Um, there are a lot of, of technologies today that are used that are under pressure from environmental regulations. So we're excited. We think we have a, a very good replacement uh, for the traditional uh, chemistries that are out there. Uh, and with a biological that really meets the sustainability needs that uh, growers and consumers are looking for. Thank you, Jeff. Some of those points that you made were fascinating. I just want to go back to to, to the pretech platform and, and the vaccine. So you you were talking about the the seed treatments there. I mean, how does it actually work? Does it does the you know the, the pretech platform and uh, your, your treatments does it go in and and actually change the plant in a way that that helps it protect itself from from stresses, or is it is it a trigger of something that's already within the plant? I mean, how, how does it actually work from that perspective? That's a great question. So it's applied to either seed or foliar. Either either application will do the same thing, and it, it binds to the receptor sites uh, within a plant. So Soori, which is more of a fungal type product, would bind to a different receptor site than six eight nine four nine. And you're turning on a mechanism, a safety, you know, a a defense mechanism that the plant already has. You're just triggering it. So, for example, if disease were to hit a uh, to infect a plant, um, the the mechanism is not on to protect itself. So that's why you do see some, uh, you know, you see some injuries, some crop losses when a disease hits. If you've got the mechanism on, then you've already you you you've already turned it on before the disease hits, so the plant's ready for it and really protects itself. With six eight nine four nine on on the uh, nematodes, it actually causes the roots to exude uh, a chemical that's in the roots already, and that's a natural mechanism that is in the plant. You're just stimulating that, so then the result is no nematodes will or very limited feeding occurs, and they die. 
because there's no food source. So it's it's a it's a it's a it's a biological way by using the plant's own defense mechanism that uh, helps protect the plants uh, in a sustainable way. Thank you. That's great. So let's move on to the external factors now. We, we have alluded to it previously in the podcast, but climate change. You know, this, this of course is something that's grabbing headlines at the moment. We're obviously looking at the changes that the governments are trying to make, and we're actually looking at what's what's happening to the planet at the moment with um, wildfires and flooding and among other things. So, I mean, where does plant healthcare fit in to this to this story? I mean, that which products specifically are designed to protect plants and help crop yields in the face of, of climate change? And would you say that climate change is one of the biggest factors or maybe the biggest factor in demand for your products? Yeah, I, I, I think to answer the latter question first, I think it's more around food security. And I think that's more of, of what you're seeing. You know, can you grow? Can we grow? Uh, as an industry, sustainable crops um, and and deliver, uh, you know, inexpensive food that's safe uh, and, and in the quantity that people want. And I think food security is probably the bigger thing that we're seeing. You know, you have climate change, you're having drought, you have those things that go on around the world. You also have changing environments, just how we're, grow, you know, rotating these crops. An example would be in that in South America. You know, I just recently returned from there. And they were getting ready to harvest soybeans and had already in the next field, the soybeans have been harvested and they're already planting corn or corn's coming up. So you've got multiple crops per season, which is contributing to like more nematodes. So a product, nematodes is becoming a larger issue. Um, technology like ours will fit that very nicely. And I think just having um, biological products that help with yield increase we have some of our uh, some of our pre-tech technology uh, that help more with uh, stress like, uh, you know, stress from from drought. So they don't control any diseases, don't control any nematode, but it really helps the crop with, uh, when it's under stress. And we've seen that with also with our harping technology. Uh, 2021, there was severe drought in sugarcane. And we saw significant differences in the crop itself, uh, where it was treated with harpin when it was under severe stress versus where it wasn't, and higher yields as a result of that. So I think there's a lot of there's a lot of factors going on in this climate, you know, what people call climate change. But I think food security is becoming much more important, um, recognizing it's an issue, and I think having sustainable products that fit that food security are very important, and that and that's a it's right in our sweet spot. So we, we've discussed your suite of products, Jeff, and I think you've mentioned some that, that are coming online, but it'd be interesting, I think, for listeners to hear what you're working on. What, what are the next big products for plant healthcare? Yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, we just received the registration for uh, Obrana, which is the brand name that Wilbur Ellis will launch into the specialty crops as well as row crops. Uh, so that's very exciting. Uh, it's the same same product as we sell in Brazil under the brand name Sawori. So we'll be entering the U.S. It'll be a limited launch first year. Um, we want to get growers exposed to these products, make sure they understand how to use them, and also train 
uh, the salespeople from Wilbur Ellis, sales and technical people. So it'll be a limited launch this year, but, but really building building awareness. Beyond that, uh, 949, uh, 68949, which I mentioned, our, our nematicide product, we expect a registration sometime in the fourth quarter of 2023 in Brazil, and then sometime in third quarter of 2024 in the U.S., that one I'm 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 most excited about just because of the performance. The performance that we have seen in specialty crops and row crops has been outstanding. Uh, as I mentioned, good as the uh, traditional chemicals that are out there today, either as a foliar or, or as a seed treatment. Um, and and the need for this is significant. You know, if we look just in California, you know, there's counties there where they have 160 different crops. Nematodes is a significant issue in those crops, and a lot of them are perennial. So grapes is an example, almonds is an example. And we've had very good performance on those crops where we've done testing in California. So I'm excited that we've got a technology that, that is that performing that well, that consistent. It's going to be a new market for us um, and, and will be substantial for the growth of the company uh, in the next four to five years. So just a question on your development process, Jeff. I mean, how how do you go about it? Do you look at the demand factors within the, the industry and, and food production and, and look at the problems that need to be solved? Or are your products a result of your internal R&D and the the processes and technology that you've come up with and then you find a solution for it afterwards? How How does that work? Yeah, it's an interesting question. You know, we, we've developed the, the, the two products, the fungicide and the nematicide, came out of the early work that's done, um, and, they, and they fit in these markets. Now, we have to make sure that the timing and when they're applied is consistent where it delivers the best results. So, Sori so as a seed treatment goes on early, um, provides uh, protection um, early season uh, throughout the cropping season. As as you would want for disease control. I, moving forward, we're have we've been doing some work with with potential partners to really go out and identify what are markets where you know we have other peptides that we could bring to the market. We just haven't. Uh, we would have to dip back into our research program, but really identify those markets and work with them. Could we develop a new peptide for them? These are early discussions. Um, but I think it's an interesting concept and the best way to approach it. So if someone says, hey, I need a peptide for this disease control in this market, can you go in and develop it? Great. And those are the kinds of discussions that we want to have with partners uh, and really deliver those, the, the new technologies to the market. So we've got thousands of these peptides uh, that we could bring to the market. Um, it's just a matter of, of where you spend your time and resource. Fantastic. Thank you. So to finish off with now, Jeff, we, we spoke about at the beginning of the podcast, some very strong numbers over the last couple of years. Indeed, in the last uh, year, very strong revenue and, and profit growth. You've got a target of 30 million revenue by 2025. What are the key factors that are going to drive the achievement of that target? Yeah, it's pretty simple. Number one, we need to continue to expand our Harpen uh, market. Um, you know, we've, as I mentioned, we recently announced the expansion in, from, into India and sugarcane. 
so I think we still see growth in Harpin in some key markets. Central America would be another one. Um, some of the larger row crops in uh, South America would be critical. Uh, so we want to we want to do that as well as Europe. As I mentioned earlier, we have the registration for Harpin in Europe. So expansion of Harpin will be critically important. Second will be the growth of uh, Sawori, Abrana, so the 279 brands. Um, you know, we expect significant growth in 23 with our partner Nutrien on soybeans. Um, and we have new registration, new crops coming in South America at the end of this year. So crop expansions will be important. Um, and then along with that, the registrations of 949, 68949 in the U.S. and Brazil will contribute to that. And lastly, our distribution strategy has been very clear that's got, that has gotten us access into global markets, and we've got to continue that market access. So Harpin expansion, new technology, uh, new, new re registrations and growth, and then expand our distribution uh, into these countries. You know, we, we want to, we're in 25 countries, I think at the end of 2025, and we want to grow that to 40. So that's an internal target that we've got by, uh, by 2025. So it's uh, ambitious, but we believe it will be critical for us to deliver on that growth um, and, and, and meet the targets that we've set for ourselves. Well, it's certainly going to be a fascinating story to watch how that develops and you know, a number of the uh, points that we've discussed today, Jeff, I think uh, are particularly important uh, for the food sustainability. It's, it's, a, it's an issue looking at population growth and some of the factors that you've outlined there. Um, certainly it's incredible work that you're doing at Plant Healthcare. So, Jeff, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Appreciate the uh, time and uh, look forward to coming back uh, as we as we get closer to the 30 million. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we're very interested to hear uh, at increments, especially on, on uh, around your reports, uh, how that's going. And for people that want to know a little bit more about these, these products and how plant healthcare are delivering on their strategy, do check out the UK Investor Magazine website where you'll be able to find the video of their recent presentation and that goes into to more detail and of course illustrate some of the points that Jeff has made today. So thank you very much to everyone for listening and once more Jeff thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.